Happy Friday morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul, it is, gosh, is it February 3rd? Could it possibly be? Yes, it is. I'm so glad that you have joined us here on this Friday. We're going to be wrapping up our study of this very short but very um, deep, meaningful, impactful passage from Matthew chapter 3. So let me read the passage and bring everything together that we've been talking about this week and sort of bring some closure to it and to a couple things to kind of send us off into the weekend, all right? Matthew 3, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So these last few days, we've really been really trying to wrap our minds around why was Jesus baptized? What does this have to do with um, our salvation? How are we to understand the operation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working in conjunction together? How, how, do, how do we make sense of this? What are, what, what are we to say about it? And so just briefly from the last couple of days, we said that Jesus is our representative. He doesn't need to be baptized for forgiveness of sins. He is going to do what we could not do, uh, which is to live a perfectly righteous life as the second Adam, um, and thus able to die a sacrificial death as the perfect Lamb of God for us. The Spirit here is um, displaying the work of Christ, magnifying His person through signs and wonders. In other words... Uh, the anointing of Jesus is receiving the affirmation of the Spirit, okay? It's part of um, this new mission that Jesus is about to embark on. The Spirit is anointing him and empowering him. And then lastly, yesterday we looked at this idea that, that the Father is announcing, right? He's announcing the public um, commissioning of his Son to be the King of Kings and Lord of lords. And, um, and so just as I'm thinking about the sermon on Sunday, um, it would seem that we, it would be really work, right, to, to organize this passage according to the function of the three persons of the Godhead. There's the anointing of the Son, there is the affirmation of the Spirit, and there's the announcement of the Father. So as, you're, as you continue to study this passage for yourself, that might give you some good hooks to sort of assimilate your thoughts and your own personal um, study of this, okay? So I, I want to I wanna end this week by, by talking about this idea that we can never separate the work of the Trinity. That the work of the Trinity, although we may not understand it, only a minuscule amount on this side of heaven, that the, that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are not working at odds with one another, they are working in perfect unity, conjunction, um, 
wisdom and counsel together, even as they are all three um, serving different sorts of functions as it relates to us as, as humans in our salvation. So for example, we know from start to finish that it is God, God the Father, who has, according to Ephesians 1, predestined us, who has, who has ordained that we would be adopted as sons of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters, and that it's the Father who decrees, it's the Father who wills, it's the Father who commissions, and who the Father commissions is, of course, his Son. And now his Son does not go unwillingly. His Son does not go begrudgingly. His Son goes as, the God, as, as God himself, right, um, in human form to earth to live a perfect life and to die uh, for sinners as their substitute. And so in this sense, we say that while the Father is is decreeing, the Son is accomplishing. The, the, what does Jesus say? I came not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is why we um, hear him say again, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This doesn't mean that God the Father is greater than Jesus. It just means that there is a, there, there's a functional difference um, in how salvation is carried out, okay? Again, we hear Jesus on the cross, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There, again, there's this idea that God the Son is, is doing the will of God the Father, even as his will and the Father's will are identical, okay? So it's kind of a mystery. It's the, it's the Spirit, okay, who then is applying, right, the the work of Jesus, all right? So, so it's the Spirit who's giving power. It's spirits, the Spirit that's regenerating hearts. It's the Spirit that's opening eyes and minds. It's the Spirit that's convicting of sin. And so all three of these things are essential to the accomplishment of the gospel. John Murray wrote a book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Jesus accomplished it. The Spirit applied it, okay? And again, we see this same pattern in the Godhead in this passage, okay? All are intricately involved in the plan and the accomplishment and the application of redemption. Now, you may be saying, that's all great, Pastor Paul. Do, do I really need to know all that? Can I just simply know enough like Jesus died for me and that's enough? Well, well let me push back on that just for a moment. And I say this in light of the Theology and Practice Conference that we have coming up uh, tomorrow on Saturday, February 4th, here at Four Oaks, 8.30 to 12, Dr. Scott Swain from RTS is going to be teaching on the Trinity. And one of the reasons that we want to do these sorts of things is that we always want to be pressing into a deeper and deeper knowledge of God. Again, you've heard me use this illustration before. But what is most meaningful to us as humans when people want to encourage us and, or compliment us or build us up? It's not when they give general compliments. You're a great guy. You did a great job. Although that, that, that could be meaningful. But it's when we are, we're told, I really appreciated it when you did blank. Or when you did this, that was really very meaningful to me. And I would submit to you that the deeper we go into the knowledge of God, 
the more we learn about him, the more we will love him, the more we will adore him, the more we will give him praise, and subsequently, the more he will be honored. And such a dynamic reality that, that, as John Piper would say, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Our joy, his glory are not at odds. They fit perfectly together. And by plumbing the depths of the riches of God in passages like this, in the upcoming seminar tomorrow, um, we are simply endeavoring to do what we're going to be doing for eternity, and that's to know God better. How long will it take to know an eternal God? Eternity. That, it'll never end because God never ends. And so this is a great foretaste, as the old hymn would say, of glory divine. And so we'd love to see you out Saturday. Thanks for being with us this week as we've unpacked this passage. We'll be back here Monday looking at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Lord, go with us this weekend. Bless our time in this theology conference. Bless our time in the Word. Help us to go deep with you. And as we go deep, may our souls be satisfied, full of joy, and may you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.